This is really Venture Christian Church's first Christmas season together. We were in soft launch phase last year at this time. We hadn't even grand opened yet, and so it's a pleasure to spend it with everybody here. I heard about a senior citizen who was driving down the freeway in his brand new Corvette with the top down going 80 miles an hour, and all of a sudden he sees red lights and blue lights in his rearview mirror going after him, and he didn't know why he did it, but he just pushed the pedal to the metal, and he just started taking off. The next thing you know, he's at 100 miles an hour running away from the cops, and then, and then he sees the red lights again, and he, he, he finally comes to a moment of sanity, and he pulls over, and he apologizes to the cop. He said, sir, I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I took off like that. And the cop said, hey, it's Christmas Eve. I have 30 minutes left on my shift. If you can give me a good reason why you were speeding, a reason that I've never heard before, then I'll let you go with the warning. And he thought about it for a moment. He said, 30 years ago, my wife ran off with a state trooper, and I saw your lights. I thought you were bringing her back. So, well, I hope you have bought all your gifts that you are needing to buy. You have a few days left. If you haven't gotten all your gifts and you haven't taken care of the Christmas shopping, several years ago, I found myself in Walmart on a Christmas Eve night. And when I was going through the checkout lane, I, I, I just mentally made a commitment to myself. I said, Nathan, you have got to do better from now on. You have got to do better than this. Christmas Eve night in Walmart, that is not good. And so this year, after our Christmas Eve services, this Tuesday night, I'm heading straight to Walgreens. And I'll, <laughs> I'll do better. I'll fulfill my commitment. Christmas gifts are complicated, aren't they? And, and if you have kids, you know this. They're complicated. There is a point in a kid's life when all of a sudden they are committed to equal distribution. They count the presents under the trees, density, weight, size, shape, all those things. Those little communists want to make sure everyone gets the same thing and just want to make sure everybody is treated equally. And if you're newlyweds, let me just tell you this, your spouse might say something like this to you. They, they might say, you don't need to get me anything for Christmas. And it seems sincere. It's not sincere, just so you know. What they're really saying is, I want you to love me so much that when I tell you not to get me anything, you just can't help but spend more money on me. That's what they're really saying. Two years ago in Oklahoma, you may have seen it, Steve Dane, the father of Taylor, uh, they went to a Bass Pro Shop in the Tulsa area. And they were going through the line to see Santa Claus. And there's hundreds of kids in the line. And he just wanted to take her girl through that line. And he didn't know what she was going to ask Santa for. New toy, new outfit. You know, he didn't know. But he pulled out his phone whenever her daughter Taylor got up to the front. And this is what she did. She got up onto Santa's lap and she just started to cry. And she said all she wanted for Christmas this year was for her cousin Ashley to be healed of leukemia. And Santa put his arm around Taylor and said, I don't have the power to heal, but I happen to know someone who does. And this is what happens next. Father God, I come to you right now and I lift up Ashley. Lord, I know that leukemia is a horrible disease, but I also know that you are the great physician and you can heal. And now I just pray right now that you will begin the healing process on Ashley. In Jesus' name, Amen. Isn't that cool? Even, yeah, even, even Santa knows there's certain gifts that he can't take care of. There are certain gifts that money cannot buy. In Acts chapter 3, just a few weeks into the, into the history of the church, there was a man who'd been crippled since birth, and he went up to Peter and John, and he, he asked them for money. 
And Peter and John's response is interesting. He says this in chapter 3, verse 6. He says, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. What most of us really need cannot be bought with money. Amen? Jesus has something for us that goes far beyond purchasing, and there's not a time of the year that magnifies that truth more than December. For some people, this is the most wonderful time of the year. But let's be real. For a lot of people, this is the most painful time of the year. And this is just a reminder of what or who is not here. This is just a reminder of a relationship that's been broken or someone who has passed. Or, and deep down, these aches and pains that we have been bearing for most of the year, they seem to surface in December, don't they? They seem to rise to the top. And what God has for us, he has a hope, he has a joy that cannot be explained even in the midst of those pains. Even little Taylor recognized that. The true gift of Christmas is not something that can be paid for, earned, worked for. It's not a gift that somebody else could give us. It's a gift that only God could give. I did a little study this week about what the Bible calls gifts. This, this is interesting. We call gifts uh, presents that's wrapped. But here's Here's some scriptures that the New Testament calls gifts. Revelation 22 says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. James 1 verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Hebrews chapter 6 says, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift. Ephesians chapter 3 says, I become a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace. God's grace is a gift given me through the working of his power. Romans 6 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life is a gift. Romans chapter 5 says, righteousness is actually a gift. The Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, we are told is a gift. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. All of those gifts cannot be bought with money. All of those gifts are only here because Jesus came, because Christmas happened. And so here's a famous Christmas passage, Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 6. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. That one you've been waiting for? Today. That Messiah you've been looking forward to? Today. For generations upon generations you've been talking about? He came today. At that moment, our calendars changed. Have you ever thought about that? Our calendars are divided based on the birth of Christ. There's BC and there's AD. There's before Christ and there's some Latin word that AD stands for that I have no idea what it means. But to me, Thank you, Jim. Thank you for that. And I still know what it is. But there's before Christ and after Christ, in my mind, our calendars were set 
right there at verse 11. Have you ever thought about this? Most of human history lived on the other side of Christmas. There's two sides of Christmas. There's the before and after. Most of human civilization has not lived on this side of Christmas. Most of human history has lived on the other side of Christmas. Have you ever thought about what it would be like if Christmas never happened? What it would be like to live on the other side? What it would be like to always be looking forward to the Messiah coming? There's a, there's a kind of research called alternative history. It's an area of study where we imagine what it would be like if something in the past was different. For example, if John Wilkes Booth missed Abraham Lincoln when he shot him, what, what would have changed in history? Or what if, uh, what if in Dallas that day, the bullet missed John F. Kennedy? Or what if Marty McFly couldn't get the DeLorean started? I mean, how would things have been different? It's called alternative history. It's speculative. It's not accurate. We can never know what is accurate. But it is valuable because it shows the importance of certain events that we take for granted. The birth of Jesus might be the granddaddy of them all. What if he didn't come? What if he didn't come from heaven to earth? The apostle John already did this. He already compared the two. John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought to light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, watch this, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And the darkness can never extinguish it. John was the last gospel writer to write. Things have gotten dark by his time. People were persecuting Christians. Christian families were being uh, ousted. They were losing their jobs. They were being thrown into prison. They were being tortured in many different ways. And in the midst of the darkness, John says, when Jesus came, there was a light that came in the midst of the darkness, and the darkness will never extinguish it. And it's why we have so many lights during Christmas today. Did you know that? Because Jesus is considered the light. Have you seen the lights around Houston, Texas? About once a week, we pack our kids up in our manly minivan. We get some hot chocolate in their kitties' cups, and we go around neighborhoods, and we look at the lights. This was something they were doing before electricity. Christians, before electricity, would take a candle. They would light the candle, and they would put it on a, in a front area of a house so that when people would walk by their house, they would be reminded that Jesus is the light of the world. It goes all the way back before electricity. So here's the deal. It doesn't matter what the government does to the church. It doesn't matter what the world says about the Bible. It doesn't matter how many people ISIS beheads or how many followers of Jesus ISIS throws into prison and burns alive. Let me just tell you this. The darkness will never extinguish the light of Christ. And they can do that all they want. And we can live in a culture that starts to oust followers of Jesus Christ, but the darkness will never extinguish what we have in Jesus. The light has come. Things have changed. The world will never be the same. So on this side of Christmas, this side, let's measure the difference he has made with light. So we're going to use lights. Light, light number one, what has changed since Jesus came? The way children are treated. Once Jesus came, children have been treated differently. Jesus made sure everyone knew that children were valued. In the ancient world, in Mark chapter 10, we're told of this. This is kind of the value that Jesus put on children. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. 
When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. You can almost hear the disciples whispering, that was different. That was new. But historically, everywhere Christianity has spread, children have been elevated. The ration of boys to girls before Christ came in the world was 50% more boys. For every 150 males, there were 100 females. And you say, well, where, where did all the females go? A lot of the time when a couple would have a female, they would take her and throw her out in the woods. And when the church came around, Christians would go out in the woods and grab the baby and bring it home and take care of it, essentially creating the very first orphanages our world has ever seen. Light number two, the way the poor are treated. You don't have to look very deep in history to see how there has been a movement to alleviate poverty, all inspired by Jesus. There are third world orphanages, inner city missions, food banks, all inspired in the name of Jesus. Salvation Army, YMCA, Compassion International, Food for the Hungry, World Vision, Red Cross, Samaritan's Purse. The list doesn't end. Conservatively, this year, about $25 billion will go to alleviate poverty in the name of Jesus. Light number three, caring for the sick. We have to talk about Jesus meeting the spiritual needs of people, but he also met the physical needs of people. He came and was constantly healing. He was constantly taking care of people who were sick. And we see this in his life, and then we see it in the church. He started a pattern in the church that we still see today. So many of the hospitals, I just did a little research in Houston, the hospitals that are in Houston, listen to this group or, or this list of hospitals that are faith-based. Houston Methodist Hospital, St. Luke's Hospital, St. Joseph Medical Center, all these started by the church or faith-based organizations. Herman Memorial Hospital, and I about skipped Herman Memorial because I didn't have a faith-based sound to it, did it? does it? But I went into the history of it. It was started in 1907 by a preacher who bought an 18-room house in downtown Houston, originally called the Baptist Sanatorium, and now we have Herman, uh, Herman Memorial Hospital. Today, it consists of 17 hospitals, eight cancer centers, three heart and vascular institutes, 27 rehabilitation centers, started by a preacher who was moved by the love of Jesus. The Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, who hashed out the doctrine of the Trinity, that's what it's kind of known for, they also issued a decree at that time, anytime you start a church, you also stop, start a hospital next to it. You were not allowed to start a church without a hospital. Where did that come from? Watching their leader, Jesus. So in the last 10 years, the amount of natural disasters that have happened in North America has been crazy. I was reading an article this week about Hurricane Harvey, about all the other natural disasters that have happened. Just so you know, Hurricane Harvey, for example, 80% of the money that came into Houston for Hurricane Harvey was from faith-based organizations, mainly the church, in the name of Jesus. What a difference Jesus has made just by coming. Light number four. You may not guess this but the United States would probably not be here if Jesus did not come. If it wasn't for the birth of Jesus, our Christian roots, this area would definitely have people here, 
But most scholars, even secular scholars, agree that it would look more like 19th century China today if it wasn't for our biblical roots. John Quincy Adams said, the birth of our nation is indissolubly linked with the birth of our Savior. And we don't have to end there. We can talk about the elevation of women. Anywhere Christianity has spread, women has elevated. We can talk about slavery being diminished, where Christianity spreads and where the church goes. Typically, slavery gets killed. We can talk about art. Most of the greatest art that's ever been painted or created has been inspired by Jesus. We can talk about how education has flourished. We can talk about how music soars in nations of Christianity. We had uh, somebody over for dinner, I don't know, a couple months ago, and they were from a Middle Eastern country, and we, were, we had music playing in the living room. And I asked her, because she was humming, I said, do you sing? She goes, no, no, I've never sang one time in my life. So how is that? But she came from a nation where Christianity was pushed out. So you don't even have to be a Christian to obviously acknowledge that Jesus has made a difference in our society. But what we have talked about so far is the difference he's made in our culture. Let's take a moment and talk about the difference he's made in our lives. Because we may be listening to this and says, well, the song says joy to the world. And yeah, that says joy to the world. It doesn't say joy to me. I still have a lot of darkness in my life, Nathan. I don't know if Jesus coming has made a big difference in my life. And sometimes we hear the sermons, we hear the songs, and it sounds too good to be true. But uh, we can describe the difference Jesus has made with an ornament. We call those first four lights. Let's call this one an ornament. An ornament is something that makes something attractive. And has Jesus made us more attractive by entering our lives? He has. So let me give you some examples. Mez McConnell went from 20 years of murdering people, stabbing people, being in prison for most of his life, but he met Jesus while he was in prison. And when he got out, he started churches in northern Scotland. Today, he is the senior minister of a church in Scotland, and he's starting churches all over the rest of Scotland. What God did was take something broken and make it new. He redeemed it. He took the bad and he made good from it. He took the broken and he made it beautiful. I wonder if God has redeemed something for you. Has he done that for you? Has he ever taken something bad and made it good? Just take a moment, raise your hand if he's ever done that for you, and keep your hand up, and I want you to look around. If God ever has taken something broken and made it beautiful... Look at the difference Jesus has made in our lives. I can tell you about a story of a couple who battled infertility. Miraculously, they actually got pregnant. They had a baby boy, but the baby boy died of a drowning accident at a young age. And so that was it. No more babies because she was infertile. But today, she has two more kids. And the doctors say she never should have had any. Well, what happened? God took the impossible and he made it possible. He took a pain, and he brought joy. God does that in our life. If Jesus is someone that you have turned to in times of despair, like that couple did, that couple ran to Jesus, that couple got themselves in a church like they'd never been in church before, that couple started serving the Lord, and then God blessed them with two children. Raise your hand if you've ever turned to Jesus in times of despair. Just keep your hands up if you've ever done that. And he's given you a strength that you can't describe. Look around. Look at all the differences that Jesus has made in our personal life.
I can tell you about a man, I'm not going to give his name, who battled sexual addiction. He couldn't beat it no matter what he did, no matter what groups he went to, no matter what he, what he did, no matter what safeguards he put up, he would always get around the safeguard. But today, and for the last several years, he has a recovery group for sexual addictions, and he helps men all over his area battle sexual addiction. I can tell you about men who have lost their wives, lonely, grief-stricken, too much to bear, but they got involved in a grief group, and they got help from other people to overcome the pain and season of their life. I can tell you about an alcoholic. It caused so much pain in his family, but then he started going to church, and he learned, he learned that he's not what other people said he is. He's not what society says he is. He's not what the alcoholic bottle says he is. He is who God says he is. He's a child of God. And he turned his life around, and today he leads a Celebrate Recovery. He's actually a supporter of this church from states away, and he helps other men walk down the tunnel of alcoholism. If you've had that, where Jesus has given you a new start, a new birth, a second chance, would you raise your hand if Jesus has done that in your life? If he's ever given you a new birth or a new start, look around. Look at the difference Jesus has made in our lives. Christmas has an impact on society, but it also has an impact on us individually. So in a few moments, Doug is going to play a song that most of us in here are familiar with. You don't need to stand. You don't need to sing. Just sit and enjoy it. And I want you to meditate on the words of this song. There's a couple lyrics that I want to point out, though, that I really appreciate. One of them is, he appeared and the soul felt its worth. We don't really have our value outside of Jesus, do we? We only know our value because of him. And another lyric says, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. If you're weary and you need joy, you can find it in Jesus. Enjoy these words. stars are brightly shining it is a night of our dear Savior's birth long lay the world in sin and never pining till he appeared and the soul felt its Oh 
love one another is law is love and this gospel is peace change shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we let all within us praise His holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise His name forever. His power and glory. forever and we have no way to say thank you enough we live on this side of Christmas but most of human civilization lived on the other side they were looking forward to it they couldn't wait for the day they would talk about it can you imagine what it would, what it will be like when the Messiah comes and I don't think they could have imagined the difference he made and the difference he has made in lives even in this room as everybody's hands go up when we talk about having a second chance having a new birth you have made an amazing impact on us. And we want to say thank you during this Christmas season. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.